Thank you for listening to a Praise Chapel Kingman podcast. If you need any information about our church, or if you'd like to give online, please visit us at praisechapelkingman.com. This morning, wow, that was a powerful time of worship. Amen. Don't you love it when God gets involved? Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. I want to share something with you uh, this morning before we get started um, in our message. Uh, the other day, <clears throat> Amy gave us a call about 1130, I don't know, maybe 1030, 1130 at night. She typically calls late. Uh, the other, actually, she texted me the other day at 130 in the morning and said, sorry, I'm bothering you. No need to respond, but it's like, you woke me up, you know. <laughs> first time in a month I've gotten to sleep anyway. And so, um, not really. Uh, but uh, she called us the other day and, and um, we got her on speakerphone. Kathy and I are laying there in bed and we got her on speakerphone and she, she goes, I had an awesome day. Awesome day. I want to tell you about it. It's okay. So she just begins to go tell us about everything that's happening. All these encounters with God and people praying for her and just people speaking over her life and just, you know, God's just unfolding his plan in her life. And she's just having this very, very rich, rich experience. And, you know, Kathy and I are laying there. We're a little bit tired and we're laying there. And so we got it on speakerphone. So Kathy speaks up after and she goes, well, that's nice. <laughs> and so Amy goes, Amy goes, uh, well, I thought you'd be a little more excited than that. And it's like, no, we're excited. We really are excited. It was just that that week, that particular week had started off with Titus in the hospital, me getting sick and Andy going to the hospital. And so it was just a rough, you know, just a rough week. And, and so we were tired and, you know, it was like, okay, you know, we're glad that you're living in the spiritual Mecca of the universe. And, you know, and so... So I piped up, and so I says to her on the phone, I says, uh, I says, Amy, give me a word. I need a word from God. Give me a word. Speak over my life, Amy. You're, you're, you're filled with the Spirit. So there's this pause on the phone for probably about, I don't know, two, three minutes. And, you know, two, three minutes when you're waiting on the phone is a long time. <laughs> I mean, it's a long time. And so she's thinking, obviously praying. She goes, all right, you ready? And I said, yeah, I'm ready. Give it, lay it on me. And so she goes, okay, here it comes. I said, okay. She goes, here's what God would say to you. You need to worship so that you can build your intimacy so that you can learn to trust me. And I went, well, okay, we'll talk to you later. Right? Yeah. And I'm telling you, 900 miles away, and she nails me between the eyes. That, that's a pretty good sharpshooter, amen? And so I've been meditating on that word because it was a word from God. It was deep and it ministered to me. And I got thinking about it and I got thinking about worship. You know, and part of the problem is, and because I'm guilty of this, is we can get so familiar with something that we can forget the power of it. And, and so what we end up doing is we can phone it in, as it were. We can just go, okay, I'm just going to get through this, you know, and not really understand what it's really all about. And, and so as I've been meditating on this and, and thinking that, you know, God really does want to draw me closer to himself. You know that. He wants to draw you. And it's through the function or the action of worship that there is a dynamic that is built that 
causes intimacy to flow between us and the Father. Listen, worship is not about God being insecure in heaven and needing you and I to pump him up. It's like he's wringing his hands, you know, Gabriel, I just wish somebody would encourage me. It's, that is not the picture in heaven. God is saying, when you worship me, there's something that flows from me to you. And you experience me and see me and know me in a way that you cannot any other way. And so I want to encourage you today that when we come into worship services and we come together and begin to worship him, that, that, that you don't just mark the time, that you don't just say, okay, we're going to survive this worship service. Even if you're having a bad day or you've got difficulties or you're struggling, even if you're struggling in your faith, all of those things are real. But we say, you know what, God, in spite of all of that, what I'm going to do, because first and foremost, you are worthy. You are worthy of my worship. And I'm going to worship you. And even if all I can do is just say thank you, or if all I can do is lift my hands, or if all I can do is just turn my heart towards you, God, I am going to worship you. Because there's going to be something in that action that's going to bring about my freedom. And it's called his intimacy. And in that intimacy... We learn to trust him. We grow in trust and we see that in actuality, he is always there and he never leaves us or forsakes us amen. and that he has an answer for us. Can you say amen to that? Amen. And so I just wanted to share that. And, uh, you know, I'm so thankful for what God is doing in Amy right now. And she's really, uh, God's really doing some great things. And so if Amy happens to be watching by um, Facebook, uh, be encouraged, Amy, you, you hit it out of the park. Amen. If you have your Bibles, you can turn over to Ephesians chapter 2, and we'll get to that here in just a minute. I want to, this morning, finish up on the series we began a few weeks ago entitled Doing Life Together. And as you know, doing life together is the theme of this year. This is, this is a, a direction or a, a dynamic that I believe that God has put on my heart uh, for this church, specifically for this church. But it is also something that I believe God's doing in the rest of crea- uh, Christianity. I think that he's speaking to churches and Christians around the world that we need to come together and we need to be that community that God created us to be. Can you say amen? And what we've discovered so far is fairly significant And what we've discovered is that this idea of doing life together, this idea of community, really is God's plan for our lives. This isn't something that we conjured up in a marketing meeting. This is not something we conjured up in a Bible study in the sense of of doctrine or theology. This is something that comes from the very heart of God, the very soul of God, if it were, that says, look at I want you to be together. I want you to do life together. I want you to be a community. And God shares with us as we grow closer to him, we are to also grow closer to one another in relationship. That idea is throughout the whole Bible, both Old and New Testament. It's at the very heart of our Christianity and at the very heart of our salvation. Listen, relationship is a part of our identity. Can you say amen? Listen to Matthew, the book of Matthew, chapter 22, verses 36 through 40. Listen to this passage of scripture. The the Pharisees are questioning Jesus and listen to this, this conversation. Teacher, which is the greatest commandment in the law? 
Jesus said to him, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the first and great commandment, and the second is like to it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself, and on these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets. Here's Jesus. He's responding to a lawyer. A lawyer has put him on trial, as it were, in, pub, in the public setting, and he's trying to get Jesus to stumble a little bit. And so he throws out this question, which is the greatest commandment? And Jesus, out of his brilliance, he begins to explain what the original plan really was, is that we are to love God with all our heart and all our mind, all our soul, all that's within us, and to love our neighbor. And he says, those are equal, and he says, they fit together. You can't love God and not love your neighbor. Can you say amen? And you can't love your neighbor without loving God. They're connected together. Can you say amen? The interesting thing that I, I, I was thinking about this and I heard this the other day and it just dawned on me. If you remember the Mount of Transfiguration, if you remember that moment when Jesus went to the Mount of Transfiguration, he took a couple of his disciples with him. Peter was there and they went there and God was, you know, Jesus was glorified. He, he shone brightly, bright white. His glory was made manifest. And we are told that in that moment, Elijah and Moses were there there with him. Now it's interesting to think about that. Elijah represented the prophets and Moses was the lawgiver. So you have the law and the prophets and then Peter begins to question this whole thing and God from heaven the Father says this, this is my beloved son, listen to him. Notice that he didn't say, hey, it's all about the law or it's all about the prophets. They were all there. They were a part of it. But what he said was listen to him because Jesus is the only one through relationship and community that can draw the law and the community and the prophets together and fulfill them. Can you understand that? This is the idea of community. It's within the confines or the, or the context of community where all of the word of God is fulfilled. It's where you and I become what God created us to be. The New Testament church was birthed in community. It was birthed in community. That's what took place. That's the very thing that we see. And so the question to you and I today is how do we become a community? How do we do that? And we talked about the last time we got together, the last time I preached, and there was six vital uh, principles that promote and build community. And I want to go through those very quickly. Number one is we've got to be intentional. Listen, community doesn't just happen. You're not going to fall into community. You're not going to trip over community. Amen. Come on. It's just like this. Here, for all you romantics... I'm going I'm to say something that will probably be a little controversial. You're not going to fall in love. You may trip over infatuation, but you're not going to fall into love. See, you say, why is that? Because love is a choice. Are you hearing me? It's a, you know, we, we confuse a lot of things. We call love. You know, I love potato chips. I love my wife. I just said two very different things. Can you say amen? Amen. <laughs> Kathy says, hopefully. <laughs> You're, you're, you're edging out potato chips every day, Kathy. You're, you're, you're getting there. You're getting there. No, that's not true. That's not true at all. That's, that's, that's not true. I love my wife. I love her with everything. 
But the reality is, is we, we, we think that these things, some of these things in the Bible are just going to happen. They're just, it's going to, no, it doesn't. There is a decision that we have to make. We have to be intentional about community. It takes effort. Can you say amen? Yes. Well, the second, the second principle is that we've got to learn to be hospitable. We, 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 we have to learn to do life together yes, because amen. we want to be together. Yes. Because yes. I enjoy your company. Right. Well, I don't, I don't know, I don't know. Isn't that the problem? See, see, somewhere along the line, we're going to have to get out of our comfort zone a little bit. Can you say amen? Okay, I'm just seeing if you're still out there. I didn't. We have to be available. Sometimes the reason there's no community is because we're so busy. We have no time for community. We've got to be teachable. We need to learn from one another. You know, it can't all be about you. Okay, I'm moving on. We've got to be forgiving. Why is that? Well, when you get more than one person in a room, there's going to be a moment when you're going to bump into each other. You're going to rub that person wrong. Amen. You know, something's going to happen and you're going to have to forgive. Jesus put it eloquently when he says, it is impossible that no offenses should come. So what does that mean? It means you're going to get offended at some point. And we're going to have to learn to forgive. And finally, we have to be vulnerable. In other words, we're going to have to let down our guard to let people in. Can you say amen? Now, this morning, what I want to do is I want to bring this, this series to an end. I want to put the capstone on it, if I can. And I want to look at Ephesians. Our text for today is Ephesians chapter 2 starting in verse number 19 through 22. And this is what the Bible says. It says, Now therefore, you are no longer strangers and foreigners, but fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God, having been built on the foundation of the apostles and the prophets. Do you notice that thing there again, the apostles and the prophets, the law and, 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 and the prophets? It's our foundation. Uh, it's, it's what we're become. It's, it's, it's from that that we grow into this house. Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone in whom the whole building being joined together grows into a holy temple in the Lord in whom also you are being built together for a dwelling place of God in the spirit. Now I want you to take a few moments if you would with me and I want you to think about this passage of scripture and I want you to listen to some of the descriptions. Just think about this. You are no longer strangers and foreigners. Amen. Now one of the chief complaints that I hear oftentimes is I just I don't feel like I belong. I feel like a stranger. I I feel like I'm, I'm a misfit. All of those things. Well the Bible says that when we get saved that we are no longer strangers and foreigners. What it tells us is that we belong to something. We fit somewhere. We we're not unknown. And he goes on and he says your identity is not in the unknown. Your identity me is that that we know you. That we know who you are. You have a place to fit and a place to function. He goes on and he says, fellow citizens with the saints, you are, you are a person that has rights and privileges and responsibilities. That's what citizenship is all about. Can you say amen? And then he takes it further and he says, and members of the household of God. 
And so each time he comes a little bit, he says, you're not a stranger, you're not a foreigner. In fact, you're a citizen. In fact, it goes deeper. You're the member of the household of God. He says, that's what's taking place. The whole undertone of this passage is that we belong. Listen to me this morning. The call of salvation is not just a call out of sin and darkness, but it is also a call to belong to something. Are you hearing me? See, we're hardwired with the need to belong. This is the power behind gangs and all of that. And we live in a generation today where the family has been uh, uh, undermined and where children are growing up without fathers and in some cases without parents altogether. And now what's happening is, is because of this need to belong, Young people are getting involved in gangs. It's not been a phenomenon that's just happened in this generation. It's been happening for a while. And that's why this need to belong, they come and they're made to feel important. They're made to feel like they fit. They, they're given an identity and they're given a, 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 a place to function. And, and because of that, they're willing to, to blood in, blood out, as it were. They're willing to give their life. Why? Because we need to belong. That need was hardwired in us from the day of creation because we need to belong to the household of God. Can you say amen? Think about it this way. The Bible is a story of God's plan for his children coming together with him in relationship. And he begins in the Garden of Eden with Adam and Eve. And he, in that garden, he creates the very first marriage. And from that marriage, he creates the very first family. And as time moves on, he calls uh, people together. And as he calls them together, they become known as the children of Israel. They're his people. And the goal is that his people would represent him in the earth and ultimately shine the light of his love and his goodness to the rest of the world in the context of community. Can you say amen? Then Jesus comes on the scene. And he begins a whole new community through his death and his resurrection and ascension to heaven. And the community of the church is born. A fellowship of diverse people coming together in the love of God, in honor and in power. See, the church is the place where social stigmas that divide us in our culture ought to fade. Can you say amen? This is, we ought to be able to come to this place and not have to worry about prejudice. Not have to worry about the social stigmas of our generation. But it's this place where we can receive grace, find hope, and experience transformation. It's this place where healing is experienced, where new life is found. It's where there are no requirements to get into the front door. Are you hearing what I'm saying? And this whole thing has been God's idea from the beginning. This is not, you know, like I said earlier, this is not marketing. This was not somebody's better idea. This was God's plan from the beginning. A new community deeply rooted in relationship with him and each other called out to serve God and Christ and impact the world with his love. This is literally what the church is. 
See, when you look into the New Testament and study that word church, it's the Greek word ecclesia, the called out ones. We're called out. What, will, what do we do? We represent him in the earth. But Jesus, he goes on and he puts it a whole nother way. He says, look at, he says, I'm going to show you something. He says, the, the world is going to know you, not because of your big buildings or your great preaching or because of your fancy music and your technology. They're not going to know that, that you are mine. They're not going to know that you belong to me by all those things. They're going to know this because of your love one for another. Because you love each other. Because you belong to one another. That you connect in community. And there is a love that flows. See, there is something powerful about you and I connecting in the love of God. Can you say amen? It becomes a beacon for the world. See, people aren't going to look in and go, wow, look at that building. That must be where God. No, they're going to go and they're going to go, wow, look at those people. They love one another. Man, when you go there, you feel like family. When you go there, you can be in chaos, but you feel at peace. Why? Because you feel safe. You're not going to be judged. Come on, are you hearing what I'm saying? You're going to be loved. Now, that doesn't mean that we're going to whitewash sin. It doesn't mean that we're not going to hold a standard. It simply means that we're going to approach all those things in the love and the grace of God. Amen. And that we're going to allow his mercy to be new every morning. It's okay not to be okay, but you're not going to stay that way. Can you say amen? Amen. Are you hearing what I'm saying? And it's going to be the context of the community that's going to change your life. Because that's God's idea. It's the whole idea of the church as a community representing God in the world. That's God's idea from the very beginning. But I want to take this a little further. And I want to look at the idea of the church a little bit deeper. See, if we're called to belong to something, to belong to a church, then it makes good sense to me that we would understand clearly what it is we belong to. Are you hearing me? Look at Romans chapter 16, starting in verse number one. He says, I commend to you Phoebe, our sister, who is a servant of the church in Sincrea, that you may receive receive her in the Lord in a manner worthy of the saints and assist her in whatever business she has need of you. For indeed, she has been a helper of many and of myself also. Greet Priscilla and Aquila, my fellow workers in Christ Jesus, who risked their own necks for my life, to whom not only I give thanks, but also all the churches of the Gentiles. Likewise, greet the church that is in their house. Greet my beloved friend, who is the first fruits of Achaia to Christ. Now, In this, there is this, Paul's writing to the Romans and he's kind of bringing the letter of the Romans to to an end and he's, there's these greetings in this and he's dealing with this. And in this, we have this sense of this community, these people, he says, greet them. He says, receive them. He says, help them. They've been a great help to me. They're fellow workers. They've risked their lives. They've risked their necks. 
And he says, you know what? Greet the, all the churches in the Gent- of the Gentiles. They, they love these people. They will be a great help to you. What Paul is doing is he's telling them about a group of people who have become a community. They've learned to work together. But they've become more than a community, haven't they? You can, you can read between the lines here, there is affection. There is intimacy. There is connection. There is knowledge of one another. There's more to it than just, hey, I'm sending a coworker. I'm sending somebody that's going to represent me well. This is somebody I fully endorse. This is somebody that I trust. They got my back and I have their back. Can you say amen? amen? Now look back at the text that we used this morning. He says, you're no longer strangers and foreigners. You're fellow citizens. You're members of the household of God. So what we begin to connect together in these scriptures is that he's telling us we are a family. The church is a family. See, it's, that's where family, that's what he's describing. When you, when you read these scriptures, he says, look it, I'm not just sending anybody. I'm sending some of my family members to you. And to truly understand the significance of this, we must once again go back to the beginning and understand what God created in the beginning. He created man and woman, male and female. They became his children. They loved him. They had relationship. They communed. And they were in every way his family. And he empowered the the first man and woman to become a family and to be a family in their own right. He gave them the ability to have children. And he commanded them to go and to do just that. See, this was the plan, is that we would be a family of families. Are you hearing what I'm saying? And then this thing of marriage was so powerful that in the New Testament, in Ephesians chapter 5, it literally became the reflection of what Christ and the church are. Are you hearing me? See, the design of the first family wasn't just to be the first family, it was to be the first church. And if the church can become a family, nothing will be impossible for. See, there is a power about family. You know, my family, let me me just say, my family's not a perfect family. Me and my wife and my children, we're not perfect in any stretch of the imagination. We have our flaws and our difficulties. And there are times when we get on each other's nerves. There's times when the kids bug me. And I am sure now that the kids are adults, there's times when I bug them. And you know what? I certainly know that the boys, they, they, they're sibling rivalry. You know, Jason always thinks he's in charge. And Andy's going ch- to challenge that. Because if you ask Andy, he's in charge. And he goes back and forth and on and on. And, and they forget that I'm in charge. And so it's, 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 uh, it's, uh, we're not perfect. And, and then really, the one that I have to remind myself is she is in charge. <laughs> so when we, we, in, our, in the pool family, we're really not sure who's in charge except Jesus. There you go. You know, and then Amy calls up and gives us all words from God. And... <laughs> We just, we, I, I don't know. We don't know who's in charge in the pool family, but let me tell you something. We can be fighting one another, but if you try to enter into that, right. we'll kill you. Bring it. Bring it on. 
We will protect one another. We're a family. Nobody can talk to my kids like that. Just me. Nobody could, I'm sure Andy and Jay, nobody can talk to my brother like that. I can, I'm his family. You knock it off. See, there's something about family. That when you come together, you might fight, you might get offended, you might have these little bumps and grinds and these little moments. But somewhere along the line, when, when push comes to shove, family stands up. Are you hearing what I'm saying? And there are so many cool things that take place in family. Listen, these are some of the, and this is not an exhaustive list, <clears throat> but listen, in family is where identity is formed. That's why there's such an identity crisis in America. Is because family is not, we're just not doing it. See, identity, our identity is formed. See, it's the job of the father to lead his family spiritually. Amen. And it's from that spiritual leading, it's from that place of fatherhood, that the children, both male and female, will get their identity. And when we drop the ball, when, the, when fatherhood drops the ball, when family falls apart, then identity has to be get, gotten somewhere else. And let me tell you something. In the absence of something, it creates a vacuum. And nature abhors a vacuum. There will be something in this life that will fill that void. See, the church is meant to be a family. It's meant, this is where we get, this is where identity is birthed. We're a family of families. We come together. Family is the incubator of every relationship. It's in family that we learn to love. We learn to love when somebody's unlovely. Let me tell you something. If you're out there dating right now, you have, you don't know it, but you have your best manners on right now. And, and it's, that's why, you know, premarital counseling is always frustrating to me. Because they'll come in and we'll say, well, do you guys fight? No, never. We never fight. That is like a big check mark. Right. <coughs> because fighting is coming. Yeah, yeah. yeah it is. You're going to disagree. No, we just sing Kumbaya and we just love each other. And you know what? I can listen to her breathe, you know, and then two weeks after marriage, they never talk to me. I thought you just like listening to her breathe. Yeah, I don't even know where I'm going with that. That's a freebie. But it's in family that we learn. It's. You know, we, you know, it's funny because sometimes we, we just don't always understand it. We, you know, how do you love somebody that has bad breath? Yeah. It's like, whoa, get a mint. See, in family, see, in family, those things are over. It's in family that that's happening. We learn to love. We learn to have a relationship. In family is where we find the seedbed for all ministry. That's the place we function because our identity and all of these things begin to take place and all of a sudden now we hear our calling in the context of family. And in family is where all real transformation occurs. 
You say, why is that? Because you know what? In family, fear becomes security. Insecurity becomes confidence. Loneliness becomes belonging. Grief becomes comfort. Sadness melts away into joy. Confusion is pushed back by peace. Emptiness is filled with purpose. Rejection is overcome by acceptance. Pain is, uh, is relieved by healing. Depression is removed by hope. Insignificance is replaced with belonging. And it's in the supernatural dynamic called family where everything is transformed. You say, well, that's not happening in my family. Well, then chances are you're not doing family. See, it, it, it starts with this thing called love. See, you know what? It's, it starts when the relationship is more important than me being right. Yes. It means that I'm going to do everything I can to protect the relationship. I don't care how I feel. Because the feeling, look at, here's the thing about feelings. They come and they will go. Building your life, making decisions based on feeling is like raising the sail in the middle of a storm. When you raise the sail in the middle of a storm on a ship, the storm will tear your sail off your boat for you. It'll rip your mast apart. And when it rips the mast apart, it'll put a great big hole in your ship. And so what happens is oftentimes what we do is in the midst of this, we, we try to make these big decisions based on what I'm presently feeling, not understanding that in probably about 30 seconds, I will be feeling different. Thank you. Are you catching what I'm saying? Yes. And it's in the context of family where we begin to find accountability for that. That wait a second, I'm not alone. That what I do is affecting other people. What I'm deciding, where I'm going, what I'm engaging in, I'm bringing people along with me. Yes. And the great news is, is I have somebody to help me. When I can't fight any longer, when I'm tired and my arms are weak and I don't know what to do, there's somebody that will lift me up. That's family. But God takes it even further because in our text last couple weeks ago, we looked at Acts chapter 2 and it says this. Listen, it says, and they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship in the breaking of bread and in prayers. And so all of a sudden we see that, that, that Paul, as he, or, or in this dynamic, it's not Paul writing this whatever guy wrote it. Jesus wrote it. And when he wrote that... He's saying, he's saying, you know what? The apostles' doctrine is important and prayer is important. He goes, let me tell you something. Fellowship is just as important. Amen. We need one another. They devoted themselves continually. They pushed forward. They dedicated themselves to the apostles' teaching. They knew they needed spiritual leadership and guidance. They knew that guidance, that spiritual dynamic came best through family. And that's where family becomes fellowship. Listen to what I'm saying today. Fellowship is not what just happens at a potluck. Fellowship is much deeper than that. Fellowship is the Greek word koinonia. And this word koinonia, it means partnership, participation, 
social interaction, communication, communion, contribution and distribution, association, community, and intimacy. What is he talking about? It says they came together and they were able to partner together. They were able to participate together. They interacted together. They communicated and communed. They were able to contribute and distribute. Are you hearing what I'm saying? There was an association of community and intimacy. All for one and one for all. Are you hearing what I'm saying? One man put it this way. He says, fellowship is a supernatural grace that causes Christians to love each other deeply. It was not possible before Pentecost because it was a manifestation of the indwelling Holy Spirit. Just as Deutimus power enables us to heal the sick or work miracles, koinonia knits our hearts and binds us together. That's what we have today. But church, oftentimes what happens is we we forget about that. And so we we don't even enter into the family. And because we don't do that, we don't fellowship. And and what happens is we're waiting. We're waiting for something to happen. No, we need to find our place. Can you say amen? amen? We need to step out of our comfort zone, as it were. We need to draw into the family. We need to find out where we fit and where we function. We need to walk in the leading of the Holy Spirit. And we need to say, how can I be a part of this community? Understanding that there is no person in the community that is insignificant. Understanding that it doesn't matter what you do. What you do is irrelevant compared to who you are. Amen. Are you hearing what I'm saying? You might pick up paper on the floor. Thank you for doing it. But listen, that's not what makes you valuable. What makes you valuable is you. That you've connected, that you're a part of the whole. I was talking to my friend Larry, and he was telling me about his truck that broke down. I couldn't help but to think about that because he was telling me about, I think it's the turbocharger or something. And he was telling me he had to get this replaced. And so he took it to the dealership and they, you know, wanted an arm and a leg and his fourth grandchild to replace it. And it was just a little black box. It was a little thing that reads ones and zeros. It was a little computer chip thing. But you can't buy that. No, that would be too easy. You got to buy the whole thing. So here's this one little part that causes the whole truck to stop. How often does that happen in church? See, you are important when you're not here. We miss you. We may not know you, but we miss you because we we feel the loss. And we ought to get to know you. Are you hearing what I'm saying? We need to step out. I know for me that this takes me out of my comfort zone. And I have to step out. And I have been stepping out, yes, been doing life together with people yep. and saying, you know what? I want to know you. I want to, I want to connect with you. Amen. And, and as we do that, there's something that takes place. And as I close this sermon today, God takes us from family to fellowship. And then he reminds us we're a body. Yeah. And he says, look at you are a body. And you know what? We need to see how God sees. In 1 Corinthians chapter 12, there's three verses of scripture that I want you to pay attention to. The first one's verse 12. It says, For as the body is one and has many members, but all the members of that one body, being many, are one body also in Christ. What is that saying? 
It's saying that you are a part of something bigger than you. What makes you who you are, what makes you count, what makes your life happen the way God intended was being connected to me and to others in the body. He goes on in verse 18, he says something incredible. He says, but now God has set the members, each one of them, in the body just as it pleased him. See, part of the problem with uh, modern day church is we treat the church more like a consumer than a participant. We look at it in terms of, of, of how we would evaluate a restaurant or a particular store. Did it have what I needed? Did they serve me well? Did I go away fulfilled? And what we do is we make the church experience about us when it ought to be about what I can do and give. You know, I've heard, I've heard people go to church and think, well, you know, I went to a church. It wasn't, really, wasn't all that great, you know, and they had some real flaws. Maybe you were put there to fix them. Maybe you're the answer. Every church, let me tell you something, every church on the planet, I don't care, pick out the very best church that you can ever think of, it has flaws. If you find a perfect church, do not go there. You say, say, why? Because you will mess it up. He said, why why are you preaching? Because, see, I believe today, I believe what God wants to do. God's building his church. He's building his church so that the church can impact the world with the kingdom of God. He wants us to be an incubator. He wants us to be a family. See, he, he, look at, he wants spiritual moms and dads to raise up and to parent spiritual babies. Yeah, that's what he wants. Yeah. He, he, he wants a place where the souls that he will give us can grow and be nurtured, be discipled, and become what God's called them to be. And we can't do that unless we're a family. If we're, we can't do that unless we embrace fellowship. We, you know, I often joke about this, and please, I, I, I'm, I'm not trying to be offensive or, or trying to be sarcastic, but I know, because I know for me, I have to fight this tendency. You know, sometimes we leave the building as if it were on fire. Maybe what we ought to do is stop a minute and shake some hands and, and reach out and say, I don't know who you are. Who are you? What's your name? You want to go have coffee? You want to go have lunch today? See what happens. I, you, might find your, you might find your best friend that you thought you never knew or never had. And so, you know, we come into this place and we we think, you know what, God, what's this about? This is about you and I connecting. I need you. You need me. Now listen to this last verse, 27. He says, now you are the body of Christ and members individually. The thing I like about this is because God, he goes to a point. He says, yes, you are. See, he doesn't want to homogenize. He doesn't want to just distill us down to our lowest common denominator. What he wants is he wants us connected with our individuality intact. 
He, because see, he created you on purpose. In the underground workshop, he put you together. In your mother's womb, he, he fashioned you and formed you and you were on purpose and he fashioned you in a way to connect with others so that you could be a part. And he wants that, he wants you to embrace that individuality, but he wants you to do it in the context of community. How do you fit? What can I bring to the table and what, uh, what do others bring to the table for me? Are you hearing what I'm saying? Finally, in closing, this last verse, Ephesians 4, 15 and 16. Listen to this, because this captures the whole thought. Instead, we hold the truth in love, becoming more and more in every way like Christ, who is the head of the, his body, the church. Under his direction, the whole body is fit together perfectly. As each part does its own special work, it helps other parts grow so that the whole body is healthy and growing and full of love. That's the goal right there. That's the essence, that's the vision, that we would be a body healthy, growing and full of love. That's what we're doing. And so I told you a couple weeks ago that I, I mentioned to you that we're gonna start life groups and we're doing that. So we're, we're, we're intent on going and we're gonna throughout this year and we're gonna be doing some experimenting and different things and stuff. But one of the first things we wanna do is we wanna start life groups. And we'll explain that. But if you're here today and you say, you know what, I want to, I'd like to lead a life group. I'd like to start a life group. Then what we're gonna have is we're gonna have a short meeting after the 12 or the 1030 service, probably around 12 o'clock next week in the, in the multi-purpose room. And, we're, and if you say, hey, I'd like, you say, well, what is a life group? If two people get together and drink Starbucks coffee, that's a life group. You're just, you're doing, you, you can't have a life group by yourself. You have to have at least another person. You say, well, what if it's me and my wife? Great. It's a life group. Do life together. Just invite another couple. Have a time. Do it together. And we want to start that and we want to bring some structure to that and we want to bring some promotion to that and some direction and leadership and some training to that so that we can develop that so that we as a body can grow together. And those that God would add to our church, whether they come through salvation, they can find their place where they can connect and where they can join or whether they come Maybe they've come from another city, they've been saved, but they found themselves in Kingman, and now they've come. We wanna be able to connect them, to find their ministry, where they fit, and where they function, where they belong. And so next week, we'll be doing that. So mark that down. It'll be after the 1030 service in the multi-purpose room. Why don't you bow your heads with me just for a moment? I'm gonna get you out of here, but I wanna pray for you before we go. Father, we thank you, Lord, for this time that we've had together. And I pray for each one here, Lord, that your hand would be upon them. Father, that you administer to them and cause this revelation, God, to be engrafted into our heart. Lord, that we would walk in this, that we would walk it out. Lord, that we would get out of our comfort zone, that we would become the family of God, that we would become, Lord, what you've intended us and make that connection and fellowship. And Father, we give you all the glory and all the honor. In Jesus' name, amen. You can stand to your feet all across this place. Our ministry team is coming. If you need prayer for anything, come on up. Let them pray for you. God bless you. We will see you next week. Have a great Thank you for listening to the Praise Chapel Kingman podcast. We can't wait to see you next week.